This is the Jail Ministry Podcast. The J-A-I-L, or Jesus Acts and Inmates Lives Ministry, is Christ-centered and provides programs focused on the prevention and intervention for the incarcerated. Jail Ministry also provides support to offenders, criminal justice professionals, victims, and their families. Thank you for your continued financial assistance. For more information, visit jailmen.org. Now, here's today's lesson. Hello and welcome to Jail Ministry and our study of the Bible. We welcome you and at this time we hope that you will go ahead and reach for your Bible if you have one and go ahead and put it in front of you because we're going to be digging into the Bible today. And this lesson, we've already done Bible number one. This is going to be Bible number two. And as we delve into the Bible, the first one, kind of, we kind of did an overview of the Bible. This next one, I want to talk about why is it so hard to understand the Bible? I don't think there's anyone who completely understands the Bible, even though God's word can be very clear. So I want to dig deeper into our teaching on the Bible today. So if you have your Bible, grab it. If you don't have a Bible or if you're incarcerated, we would encourage you to take one of the yellow cards from Bell County Jail and fill it out and mark the little check on there that you need a Bible and we will get you a Bible because it is our desire and we plead with you to you need to read the Bible for yourself. It is God's word for mankind. So let's start with that. What is the Bible? What is it? The Bible is a collection of books and the Bible today consists of what we talk about the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now there are different translations of the Bible. Sometimes when I'm witnessing to someone they'll say, well there's errors in the Bible and I'll say, well give me one. And to this day they cannot give me one error in the Bible because there are none. The problem with mankind is they don't understand the Bible. I don't understand the Bible sometimes so I go to the Lord and I ask, Lord help to open my heart and my eyes to your word. You've made it very clear. So there, and I just want to review some things with you before we move into why is it so hard to understand the Bible? And I want to give you some helpful tips or maybe some reminders for you. And we want to encourage you in the Word of God. Now I want to start with this. I want to start with 2 Timothy 3.16. And I want to remind everyone of this in the Bible because I don't have to argue with anyone about this. It clearly states in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be, what, complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So there it is, all scripture. Now, what am I talking about all scripture? Let's talk about the Bible. There are 66 books in what we call the canonized Bible. Canonized is kind of a fancy big word. It's an important word that means over the course of about those thousands of years, primarily 2000s of years, 2000 years, that the Bible has been compiled and accepted by scholars. Understanding that some people will say, well, the Bible is written by men. 
Okay, so what? I write a letter. I don't say my pen wrote that letter. God called men with their characteristics, their nature, their sin nature, their personalities, their different ages to write his words. So God's scripture is an inspiration of God's word to mankind. And everything that we need to understand about life and death and our living and our living practices, even our laws come from the Bible. There's so much that we could go deep sea Bible in the Bible. But I want to understand these basics, that there are 66 books. Now, these are widely accepted today. So there are 39 books, as we call them, Genesis, Deuteronomy, uh, Exodus. There are 39 in the Old Testament. Okay. There are 27 books in the New Testament. And this is what is widely accepted today. Anything that is stuck in there, okay, and I'll give an example, is not accepted. Now, in the Roman Catholic institution, okay, they have a Roman Catholic Bible. They have different books. They have 73 rather than 66. Now, we are caution to not add or taken away from the Bible. So keep that in mind. There are seven additional books in their Old Testament. Uh, they've added to Daniel and books like Esther. Um, Catholics will typically call this what is called the Deuteronic Deuteronical Canonicals books. I call it the Apocrypha. Okay. It's a hard word to say, but we call them the Apocryphal books. I call them fanciful books. Now, there might be some historical or cultural value to researchers by reading some of these books, but the apocryphal books are not genuinely inspired by God. We do not consider them inspired scripture today, and they should not be included in the Bible. So when I say the Bible, I'm talking about the canonized 66 books of the Bibles. Now, we do have today different translations. We have translations in Chinese and Mongolian, um, all different languages today. Does that mean that the Bible is corrupt? Absolutely not. I have different translations of Bibles today. This one happens to be a new, this is a new King James Version. Um, I would caution those who are stuck on King James Version only, okay? I would caution you because <clears throat> there are other translations that are, are correct. I have an English Standard Version. Um, there are different translations out there, and I don't want you to fear that. But we knew as Christians, we need to be good Bereans. And I will cross-reference, say, when I'm writing a term paper or a research paper, or I'm studying the Word of God. I want to go, even go back to the Greek or maybe even the Hebrew. Do I know Hebrew and Greek? No. Do I'm saying that you need to know it? No, I'm not saying that. But it's good to understand the meaning of certain words as we get into why is it so difficult to understand the, the, the Bible. So I will say this. Everyone, I believe, to varying degrees, struggles at some time or another to understand the Word of God. So for nearly 2,000 years of church history, there are Bible verses, there are words that are difficult to understand. There are even passages and Bible verses to understand. And it becomes difficult when someone will look at the Bible and they'll look at one verse and they'll create a whole doctrine around it. 
So it's mindful to keep in mind when you are reading the Bible, context, context, context. There are cultural differences. There are historical differences, and we're going to dig into that. So why is it so difficult to understand the Bible? Why does it take so much effort on our part to fully and correctly understand the Bible? And I want to talk about this. And before we explore this question, though, it must be made clear that God did not make his word unclear to mankind. God reveals himself to us through his word, and he reveals himself in creation. It's kind of like you go to your mailbox one day and you've gotten a letter, but you never take it out of the mailbox. You never take it out. You never open it. You never read it. It's like if I were to get a love letter from my husband and I never open it. I never read it. It's like that. So I would encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. So when someone comes to me and says, well, you know, I believe God is like this, or they'll say to me, there's a red flag, to me, God is blah, 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 blah. What that tells me is that they created their own word, they created their own God, and they worship a God that they're comfortable with. I had a missionary tell me one time, and he was looking at all the markings in my Bible, and I had a lot of markings, most of them were for myself. But he said, Rhonda, when you become a mature Christian, and I know you find it difficult to understand the Bible right now, but one day it won't be so difficult to understand. But he said, you need to put on your Bible glasses. You need to let the word speak for itself. So the reason the Bible can sometimes be so hard to understand also is because we are fallen creatures. We call ourselves fallen beings. For the most part, though, most people think they're really good. I've made a few mistakes in my life. Yeah, I've sinned here and there, but they don't really think that they're that bad. Trust me, we are. You and I are that bad. So in essence, sin, and not only how much we sin, but our sin nature. We have a nature to do what? To sin. And that is your filter and my filter. And that makes it difficult to understand the Bible, especially as an unsaved person. I tend to look at people two ways. You're either unsaved or you're saved. Meaning you're not born again. You're not born of Christ Jesus or you are born again with a new heart and a new mind. And this is where I draw the line. If you are unsaved, can you understand the Bible? Can you read the Bible? Yes. You can glean a lot of information from the Bible. But when I became born again by God, because salvation is of God, from God, and for God, it is a work of God, He gave me eyes to see. I was blind, but now I could see. I couldn't really hear God's deep meaning in his word for my life. So sin clouds and it, I don't say clouds, it distorts our understanding and it leads us to twist the Bible to our own liking. Okay. And I say that because it's like a filter. It's like, this is pure water in here. And I were to add a drop of arsenic to it. 
it's contaminated. That's the way we are. Or have you ever seen where you've, you've got a pair of glasses, like my husband had a pair of glasses today, or reading glasses. And I put them on just for a second, just to look at something. I'm like, oh my gosh, how can you see through these things? I can't see anything through them. They were all smudged. And that's the way it is with sin in our lives when we come to the Word of God. So I want to give you, I think, three basic reasons why the Bible can be so difficult to understand. And there are several factors, but here's one big one. There is a time and a cultural difference. If, you, when you read, if you've ever read the Bible before, and you'll notice it's really different. I mean, when I read about the shepherds in the fields, I'm like, where are those at? You know, I've seen shepherds in Israel, but we don't have shepherds here. Or the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I really don't know anything about sheep. I don't know anything about shepherds. And so we come to the Bible, we need to understand that there are time differences and there are cultural differences. And the culture in which the Bible was written is very different than the culture the way it is today. Okay, so I'll give you another example. When trying to the, we need to remove those 21st century lenses and we need to look at who wrote the words and when were the words written. So I made an attempt, and it was a really good attempt, and I, I think I did pretty well at it, is I wanted to understand sheep. So I got a book about sheep and shepherds. I had no idea that sheep were that dumb. And there were a lot of examples about sheep in the Bible. And then when I read about sheep and how a shepherd tends and cares for his flock in so many ways, and he was willing to lay down his life for his, shep for his sheep, it began to make more sense to me. So number one is you need to understand that there is a time difference. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 2,000 years ago, more than 2,000 years ago when we're looking back in the book of Exodus. I mean, we talk about plagues, right, and famines. I mean, I've never been in a plague before. I've never been in a famine. I've never experienced a famine before. And so when we come to the Word of God, we understand the time differences and the cultural differences and the people were different back then. They didn't have cell phones and they weren't computer programmers. I mean, I always think, gosh, what would it have been like to transport Moses into Austin, Texas on a busy day? I mean, they wouldn't be able to go anywhere or do anything. They would just be in fear or terror or in awe. They wouldn't understand what's going around them, but we can if we look at it with a different lens. So keep that in mind, okay? So what I'm asking you to do is to put on your Bible glasses. When you go to the Bible, put on your Bible glasses so that you have a biblical understanding. Number two, you want me to write this down. There is in fact the Bible that contains different types of literature. And this was something that I really truly did not understand or appreciate until I took classes on it. And then when we had to really study, and I'm going to give you a list of some of these, the Bible contains, number one, history. If you're writing these down, it contains law. Remember in Exodus 20, you shall not steal. 
And then you have all of those other laws. You have ceremonial law. You have Levitical law, which we're not under today. We are still under the moral law today. And then you have poetry. You even have songs. You have what we call the wisdom literature, like Proverbs. You even have prophecy. There are books like Daniel that can be so difficult to understand with its apocalyptic uh, language in it. It's like, gosh, I would need to understand Russian just to understand the words of God. But we can if we do due diligence in studying the word of God. There are personal letters. We call these epistles that the apostle Paul wrote to the churches in the early days of the church. And then, of course, we have apocalyptic literature, and that's why it can make the book of Revelation so difficult to understand. It is important to understand, too, that I'll say this right now. It's important that we allow Scripture to speak for itself. Because when we're trying to make something that it's not, you're trying to shove a square, a square block into a round hole. It just doesn't work. Let the Scripture speak for itself also. It's important to understand that in this language that we come to understand, Bible language, and I'm a real particular person for Bible language because a lot of times in America today, we have a tendency to water things down. And then this comes across, especially when we're sharing the law and the gospel. I'll give you an example. People will say to me, well, I accepted Jesus. That's not in the Bible. I asked Jesus into my heart. It's not in the Bible. Jesus said, repent and believe. And I think when we have a tendency to get away from Bible language, sometimes we water down the message that we hear or that we want to get across. It's also important to allow the Old Testament to speak into the New Testament. Okay, so that's very important as well. Um, so there's personal letters, there's poetries, and recognizing the fact that the Bible contains what we call different genres, like there's different genres of music. I listen to rap, I listen to classical, sometimes I listen to rock, not very often. Um, but there are different genres in the Bible in those 66 books. And understanding this will be the key for you to avoiding confusion and, ex and putting your own expectations onto the Word of God. That's number two. Now, number three, <clears throat> I want to spend a little bit of time on this one. We are all sinners. I know you may be sitting there thinking, well, wait a minute, Rhonda, I've made a few mistakes. Who are you calling a sinner? We are all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, we miss the mark. We are sinners. This is very prevalent in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 20, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, 1 John 1, 8. So yes, the word of God calls us sinners. And as much as we strive not to read our own preconceived biases into the Bible, it is inevitable that we are going to do so. We all come to the Bible with different world views. I'll give you an example. Uh, mine is I grew up in a very moral home. I wouldn't say that I grew up in a Christian home, but we had morals. You don't steal, 
You don't lie. You don't murder. You honor your father and your mother. You put God first in your life. But yet, I wouldn't say I would grow up in a Christian home. And I think a lot of these homes today, they you know this because God has put his moral law onto your heart. Those Ten Commandments, that moral law, okay, they reveal, they show to us that we are sinners. And God's giving you a conscience. That's in Roman 2. So that when you lie and you steal, you dishonor your father and your mother, you lust, you commit adultery, you hate, then you do so with knowledge that one day you're going to die and God is going to judge you. And I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people tend to create their own God and their own religion rather than going to the Word of God and really reading what the Word of God says about you and reading about what the Word of God says about God. There are some really tough verses in the Bible for it's appointed for men, all men to die, and then comes the judgment. There are some really harsh verses. And so you'll see in the Bible that God is a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. Why is that? And people will say things like with their worldview, well, God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. That's not in the Bible. It's not Bible language. That's not what it means. We are connected to our sin. What I'm saying to you is own your sin. What am I talking about? If you've ever told a lie, you're a liar. If you've ever stolen one thing, the commandment says you shall not steal. You're a thief. You're a lying thief. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 said, You've heard it said of old, you shall not murder. But I say to you, if I call my brother or my sister, if I call you an idiot or a fool, I'm guilty of judgment. Jesus goes on to say, you shall not commit adultery. He's going deep sea diving into his moral law. And when a man looks upon a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery already. There it is. Homosexuality, sexual sins, pornography. Those are sexual sins. You can rationalize and justify all you want. But on that day of judgment, God is going to judge you by that standard that is on your heart. And he's given you a conscience. And you know right from wrong. What that moral law does, and we are sinners. You, can, you can't just call it mistakes. Own your sin. God would have seen me as a lying, thieving, murderous adulterer. That was me in my, my unsaved state. But God called me out of darkness into light. This is so important, folks, that you understand this. When you come to the Word of God, and it can be so difficult, we come with our own, I think we bring our own God to the Bible. It's like you're married, and then you bring a prostitute, or you bring your mistress into the home. No. Come to the Word of God with an open mind and a open heart. And let God's word speak for itself. And when we study the Bible, we need to ask God to remove those biases that we have. And I've run into a lot of people. I had my own biases. I had them. Maybe you're racist. Maybe there's certain people you don't like. 
I don't know what it is. Or maybe you're stuck on evolution. I meet a lot of so-called Christians who are stuck on evolution. One kind never becomes another kind. Evolution is not in the Bible, but yet they want to push their agenda rather than letting the word of God speak for itself. In Genesis, it says on day one, day two, day three, it's not millions of years. Let the word of God speak for itself. So by no means, these three steps that I've given you, <clears throat> it's not all that's needed to understand the Bible. Now, I don't want to complicate this. What I'm saying to you is when you read the Bible, okay, you don't need to just open it up and say, oh, hey, I'll just start right there. You need to have a Bible plan, okay? Because my rule is if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, then you are planning to fail. You need to have some kind of plan to read the Bible. Now, if you don't have one, you can get one. Okay, whatever country you're in, whatever state that you're in, or maybe you want to start in the Old Testament, or maybe you want to start in the New Testament with the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but you need to have a plan to go forward. If you're just picking and choosing what you want to read, I don't think you're going to glean or understand very much from it. Understand also that a lot of times it's very difficult to understand the Bible, and it doesn't need to be. But if we understand it from when they teach you in school, one of the things that they taught me is what's called biblical hermeneutics. Now, maybe some of you have heard this word before. Maybe you haven't. It's a big word, but you need to understand it. What is biblical hermeneutics? It's called historical grammatical method. It's easy to understand. When you look at a Bible verse, don't make a doctrine out of it. Look at the verse, look at the passage, read what's before it, read what's after it, then go to the larger picture. There's no chapter separations. We put that in for us to understand. But then who wrote the book? Did Peter write the book? Did Matthew write the book? We still don't know who wrote Hebrews. And I think it's one of the, one of the best books in the Bible, possibly. But you need to understand some background and history and culture to what you're reading. And we must always strive to allow the Bible to speak for itself, not allowing our presuppositions, okay, to determine its interpretation. Real important. So come to the Word of God. If you're unsaved, I would ask you, encourage you, just stay in the Word of God. I met a, uh, I will never forget, I met a, a man in Mongolia one time, and I asked him, how did you get saved? He said, reading the book of Matthew. I was like, wow, that's incredible. That's the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. So with that, I want you to remember that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God's Spirit indwells you. It says in John that he will guide you into all truth, not some truth. And so when I approach the Word of God, this is a promise to me that when I open the Word of God that I pray, it's the same God of the Bible that indwells me as a Christian. The Holy Spirit is what opens my mind. He renews my mind. And this is not a dead book. The Word of God says the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. 
So the word of God sometimes to me is like an onion. If I start peeling away every layer, sometimes it'll make me cry. But it opens my eyes to what the truth really is. So my answer to you is if you really want to know what is truth and you really want to understand the Bible, it's truth. It's God's absolute truth for our lives. And so when we approach the word of God this way, it literally becomes food for my soul. My rule is no read, no feed. I love to eat. I love steaks. I love Mexican food. I can't imagine, and especially I just went on a trip recently. I can't imagine, not even on my trip, not having the Word of God. I just can't imagine it. If you're living your life right now without God's Word in your life, and that's one of my, my, my test questions. When somebody tells me, well, I'm a Christian. Well, really, do you read the Bible? Well, yeah, I read the Bible. Well, how long ago did you read the Bible? Oh, six months ago. I would question your salvation. So I want to encourage you, if even if you're unsaved, read the Bible. And when you're saved, you have God's Holy Spirit guiding you and directing you into all truth. And so with that, we'll move on to Bible lesson number three. So I look forward to you coming back and let's study God's word together. Let's study God's Bible together. So with that, I want to give you one last verse and you might want to write it down. In Psalm 119, verse 5, Psalm 119, verse 5, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And again, that's sometimes a little bit difficult to understand, but I remember this distinctly. I remember going camping and I remember having to go to one of those porta potties. <laughs> And I needed to have a light. Well, when I got the light, it illuminated my path. That's what the word of God does to you. So God bless until next time. Take care and we'll see you back here. Thank you.